This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. And I must say that I was quite disappointed, um, just personally, on a personal level, to hear that I can't go back to work uh, on Monday or next week again. And um, I know that for many of you, it's the same thing. Um, you know, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, the Bible says. But when it comes, it's a wellspring of life. And uh, these are really uncertain times and difficult times, just on a practical level, even if, even if uh, by God's grace, we can eat and sleep well. It's still unsettling because uh, it seems a bit frustrating in terms of purpose. And I uh, just want to say before I start that what we're doing, what I, what I am doing practically and what I encourage you to do the same, is just to use this time to, undo, to find your footing again. To find, I had a great conversation with an old friend who used to be in church in Pretoria with me. And it was amazing to, to be with him, to just talk with him. And just, he said that in four days' time, I asked him about, because he's in the sound business, in live sound, live sound broadcasting, great concerts, big stuff. He does recording and editing, but the big bulk, his name is renowned for, for big concerts and doing big concerts and public stuff. And so I just reached out and I asked him, so how's he doing? And he just said, the amazing thing is that in four days time, he was praying and crying to God and you know, just uh, not being able to worship. He took his guitar and he's in a room and he just felt so lost and he just put down his guitar because he just didn't feel as though worship was coming from his heart. And he just started to pray. And the next moment, he saw a vision of seven of them, him and a few of his friends, a uh, few people that he knows, just on their knees worshiping Jesus as he just, his worship just started erupting from his spirit in the prayer. And the next moment, he sees Jesus walking into the room and giving a basket to every one of the seven people in their laps as they were bowing down in worship, kneeling, a basket of bread was put and the Lord said, now this will be bread for you and for the others. I'll make you a bread basket for others. And in four days time, his company was completely transformed because something that he was dreaming about for a long time, all of a sudden became possible because everyone in the industry came to a standstill. And it's a time of repositioning. I think that's what I want to say to you. Just to use this as a time of repositioning, to reflect and to say, God, what are those dreams and those things that you've been speaking to me? What are those prophecies? Just to revisit the prophecies, revisit the desires, revisit the dreams, revisit the sense of purpose, and just to re-articulate it, take it to Jesus in prayer and see what he does to see how he repositions. I want to encourage people that are really, that are really feeling hopeless at the moment because your industry is not doing well. And in Cape Town, many of the industries are not going to do well for quite some time. But I want to encourage you that Christ really is in control. Whenever we read the Bible, I'm going to try to just share the screen that I can this morning. Uh, Bernie, if, if it's possible for you to allow Ross to share his screen, it will be amazing. If you can't, then I'll just quote it. But it will be amazing if you can. So um, if I can share my screen, amazing. Thank you, Bernie. I want to look at Psalm 103, oh, Psalm 93, but I just want to stand still here with this image, that whenever we open a Bible, we should see it as a, as a window to show us something about God and God's kingdom. The Bible in its text is a window that shows us something about God 
in God's kingdom. And when I say God in God's kingdom, I mean God's will in this world, God's desire for this world, God's, God's sovereign, peaceful reign. What is it like? But whenever we pick up text, we should also recognize that <laughs> our reality in my life is not that. So it's a mirror, as James also says, it's a mirror that reveals myself or reveals our world to us. And then lastly, not to stop in terms of cognitive recognition of what God's kingdom is like and what my kingdom is. But it urges us, like James says, to just to not be a doer or a year of the word, but a doer. It opens us a door of entry. Some, it calls us, it invites us, it asks something of us. So when we look at Psalm, 103, Psalm 93 today, I want to encourage you to recognize these three parts. And I want to, I want to ask you, and many of us know the Psalm well, because it's such a short Psalm about God's sovereignty during a time of flood, during a time of, of chaos. I want to encourage you to, to allow God to show you what his kingdom and what he is like in contrast to what this world and the reality of our life is today and what it asks of me and you, what it asks of me. So let's do that. So Father, thank you, Jesus, that we can open your word in a short bit, just read what you're saying to us. I ask in the name of Jesus, God, that you will speak to us, that you will decorate the spirits, God, open our eyes to see you, to see your reign, to see your goodness. Open our eyes, as well, God, to see me, to see us, to see our world and what we are like, God, and our need for your salvation, our need for your deliverance, God. And also, God, I want to pray in Jesus' name that by your spirit, you will give us a grace to respond, that you'll give us grace, help us to respond appropriately to step into your kingdom peace in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Psalm 93. We promised really short, but I know that some of you have kids at home like myself. My wife's working in the hospital this morning, and um, we have kids at home, so I recognize that we can't spend too much time uh, in the just in front of our screens without interruptions. Psalm 103. The Lord reigns. Of Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. This is one of a few psalms in word, and when we say the Lord reigns, it's Psalm 96 and Psalm 97. This is a brief version of, in a sense, a compilation of those two, A and a B, of the Lord's reign. It was written in a time of, 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 a, of a cry. You'll see in this, and especially in those two psalms, 96 and 97, you'll see there's a cry in Israel's history for God to please reign. It's a, it's a cry to declare, God, that you reign. Remember? In Isaiah 52, verse 7 onwards, it's declared that the Lord reigns. It says that blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is, are the feet of those who bear the good news that God reigns over and against the Babylonian and the Persian empire that takes us into captive. Lord reigns. God is the Lord and he is in control. No, not Darius, not Nebuchadnezzar, not Cyrus, not any of those truly reign, but the Lord is in control. And it's this beautiful promise in Isaiah 52 that these two psalms as well allude to, that, that God says that I reign. That yes, it seems as though there's chaos in the world because of, of injustice and because of corruption, because of fallenness. But he says that I reign. And he talks about the beautiful restoration on the one part of Israel and Jerusalem and specifically Zion. And secondly, that, that section in Isaiah, in Isaiah 52 speaks into the destruction of God's enemies. Cyrus and their kingdoms and the Persians and Babylonians that, that raised up and exiled God's people. So it speaks about the destruction of the wicked and the restoration of God's people. And this psalm bears the same 
reminder. The Lord reigns. Truly, Yahweh is in control. The eternal covenant God of Israel is in control. And it says how he reigns. And it pictures him enrobed in majesty. And he's put on strength as a belt. And those are two contrasting robes that he would wear. It says that God's strength primarily, his reign is primarily in his regal character, in his majestic character. That, 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 that it speaks here about the majestic clothes that he would wear during a ceremony. That God is truly majestic in his person, his character, his makeup, his clothing. His beautiful, good, benevolent kind that he is good in everything that he does. And that is the, the source of his strength. He's put on strength. And, and they put on the image of putting on a, a belt so that the sword of the Lord can be in there. Beautiful, the warrior robe, majestic, regal clothes, warrior. So God reigns in goodness and justice and mercy and with strength. That he's not weak, he's strong. And it says, therefore, yes, the world is established that it can never be moved. Because God is in control. It says here that, that the earth is established, foundations of the world is established, that, that the world is in control. And it brings us back to that. Remember a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, we read through um, Revelation, that scene where John is invited to stop looking at the world and destruction in Asia Minor from the island of Patmos, um, Revelation scene, that he's invited to come up here and he saw a throne. And this morning in my prayer time, I just went back to that throne room again. Just to see again that God is in control. The one who sits sovereignly over all the nations, over all the world, over all the forces in creation. He sits in peace and control. And then John saw as a result, because he saw God in his goodness, in his power, in his justice, in his mercy, and his humility. He saw that all of the earth is like a sea of crystal, a glass of crystal. That everything becomes peaceful when he sees that. And this is the same image that this psalmist alludes to. He's saying that the Lord is in control and therefore the earth is strong and majestic and good. Therefore the world is at peace. And then secondly, and then secondly, he says that uh, your throne is established of old, you are everlasting. And what he's just saying here is that see, God is really, it's not as though his kingdom started yesterday. He has been king forever and he has been in control forever. He is sovereign in eternity, not just now. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion knows no end. It's a piece that Nebuchadnezzar ascribed to God and that we see in the book of Revelation a lot, that God's kingdom is everlasting. And this is what he's inviting us to see. And I wanted to stand still here for a second because this is where the psalmist starts his declaration, reminding himself that God is good, God is strong, God is in control of the world, and God has always been. And it's a good place for us to start as well. When we look at crisis in the world at the moment, you see that a third of the world is locked down. You see that people are really, really trying to make sense and trying to, by means of governance and technology, and the militant force, trying to, to, to grab the peace, hold of the peace that we have that is so fragile in the earth. This is what the psalmist does. And then he goes over and he says, the floods have lifted up the Lord. After reminding himself, God's goodness, God's power, God's eternal reign of, of that he's in control, sovereign of all things. The psalmist now brings these, these problems to the Lord. He's saying, God, the floods have lifted up. And when he speaks about floods, he says the floods have lifted up their voice and the floods have lifted up their roaring. Some translation, the floods have lifted up their voice and some trans and, and lifted up their waves. It says both things. It feels as though overwhelming the noise around us 
because of the chaos and because of the world reeling out of control, is bringing us to be, it's making us afraid. And there's two things that he mentions here that I just like, he says, I'd like to speak about danger. He speaks about the danger of life. That, that my life is literally in danger because of what's happening. And I think we can associate. I think we can associate because the world is hiding away because it's afraid to get sick. It doesn't like to be sick because I have no control about, over the virus. There's no way for me to, to control the virus. So the only way for me to control the virus is by hiding away. The only way for us as a nation is to try and hide away. We can't, we can't but, but we know it's futile. We know it's, it's, it's in the one sense silliness to try and hide away from death in danger because it's out there. And it's not as though it's going to be hidden forever. And next year, you know, or next month, what about the next outbreak of something big? You know, our world is so connected and we're so glad that the world is connected, but it makes us really vulnerable to, to crises everywhere, economically and biologically, as we can see as well. So we're saying that I feel in danger of my life. Psalmist, if you feel afraid because you are sick or because your mom is sick, if you feel afraid because your immune system is compromised and so, so many others, then you can be truly know that the psalmist has the same sense here. My life is in danger, God. The floods want to drown me out. God wants to kill me. Secondly, floods speak about massive destructions. It speaks about forces that just rips through uh, a nation or rip through a community and it takes everything away. It's right after the massive drought that we had for three years in our country. What usually happens is there's big rain, but then the earth can't contain it, so it literally just wipes it away. So there was so many images of destruction up in Pretoria and down in Cat Flats and everywhere, where floods just literally take away complete communities. It wipes away homes, wipes away houses, hospitals, everything is just wiped away because it literally takes away, but it speaks about something more than that. It speaks about the fact that it's not just afraid, I'm afraid for my life because the thing can kill me. I'm afraid at the moment because this flood threatens my economy, my industry, my livelihood, everything that I've built up for my whole life, my catering business or my, or my, my plumbing or carpentry business, everything is taken away at the moment because I have no control over this flood. It's too big. It's just going to wipe it all away as though we've never built anything takes away my infrastructure, my security in this world. But then the flood also speaks about something else which Dale preached about so powerfully a month and a half ago when this epidemic raged in the world. It speaks about the, the fact of the roaring, the drowning. It, it wants me to drown in panic. And many of us have, have picked up on senses on that on the internet or on the radio, or even the way in which we, the nations respond to this is, is, a, is a pandemic. It's a fear. It's a fear pandemic. We, we're afraid that this thing is going to take us. Or we, we can't control it, and we just know that we don't feel in control. So it takes away the peace in my head. It takes away this, my, my, my sense of stability, my sense of being rooted. And this is what this image of flood speaks about. The floods, O oh Lord, have risen up, God. But I want to see what he does here. He doesn't say the floods have lifted up their voice. He says, the floods, O oh Lord, have lifted up. Lord, the floods. So David, or the psalmist here, it's not, probably not David, takes his prayer to God and he's saying, God, this is what's happening. I know that you're good, in control, powerful, eternal reign of goodness. God, at the moment, I don't see that. I don't see that. I really, I just see the flood. God, I want to tell you that I see the flood. And, Friends, just as, a, as an introduction here, 
So many of us don't do this. So many of our world that can see it, Christians, don't do this. They don't take the floods to the Lord. They don't take the fear of life, the fear of livelihood and the peace in their head, the, the fear, sense of security. They don't take it to the Lord. They just take it. And I want to say, if you don't do this, then this psalm won't shift to the next part. Otherwise, you will stay here in the sense of being the fear of death, the fear of security of your livelihood, what you've been building, and just the peace in your head. It will remain in flood stage until you do this, until you say, Lord, until you go to Jesus with your prayer and you stay there, take your fear with him. The next one is uh, he moves on because after bringing it to the Lord, then he fixes his attention on the Lord who's on, on the throne in control, who reigns in benevolence and power eternally and he says this mightier than the thunder of many waters mightier than the waves of the sea the lord on high is mighty remember that scene for those who've been progressed to chapter 11 in our devotional study of, of revelation where john after seeing the lord stands seeing the lord standing jesus with one foot in the ocean and one foot on the earth as sovereign over everything in creation King of kings and Lord of lords, mighty over all the forces, demonic or angelic, mighty over all the kingdoms in the world, the Lord is mighty standing. And this is the image that he says, mightier than the, th than the thunder of the waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, might the Lord on high is mighty. And see what he does there. He says that God is mightier than the waves itself. Translating, God is stronger than the forces that want to destroy my life or my livelihood. He is in control. He is mightier than that. He's mightier than all of those things. He's mightier than, than the economic crisis, than the viral crisis. He's mightier than the riots that are starting to come out. He's mightier than literally those things. But he's also mightier than the sound of that. He can drown out the sound of panic and screaming in my head. He can bring me peace in my head. The Lord on high is mighty. It's amazing. This is beautiful text. In uh, Job chapter 38, I don't have time to read everything to you this morning, but Job 38 is so beautiful. He says that the Lord is the one who stands powerfully. Jesus, God himself speaks to Job in that context. And he says, I'm the one who stands on the ocean, at the, at the, at the brink of the ocean, on the rock, on the shore face. And I say, thus far, far your proud waves will come. He's the one who has control over the waves. He's the one, the Bible says, that makes the sword and therefore no weapon formed against us will, will prosper. He's the one who says, it says, I stop it here. It's amazing in our study of relations, we see that these waves serve God's redemptive purposes. The chaos in this world serves God's redemptive purposes. In the one sense, it brings us to the reality that man needs God, that we are not sufficient in itself. And that's what the, the waves represent. The storm represents everything that is too big for me. And it's so beautiful because it just brings us to the reality that I am not big enough to solve my own problems. I need God. The great temptation in the world is for man to rule himself, to think that I don't need God. That's the temptation that we got from Satan in the Garden of Eden. I know what it is to open the, to eat from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. I don't need someone else to tell me what's right and wrong. I can decide for myself. And here God says, no, the waves is a reminder to the whole world that there's someone sovereign and that someone is not you. And this is what this waves bring. It's amazing. 
amazing what um, what the world does in this time. It's amazing for me to see, you know, reading Revelation. Please, for those of you who haven't caught up, see if you can catch up over the weekend. Reading Revelation is so good for me at this moment. I'm going to close soon. It helps me to, to see our world in context. You know, chapter 6, chapter 7 and 8, and we go into chapter 15 and 16 now about the plagues and disasters that, that is because of God's judgment on the world. It's amazing to look at what the drought did for us a few years ago, three years ago, two years ago. We went across this of drought, and, and the nation recognized that there's nothing, there's no science. We try to drill holes, we try to desalinate the ocean, we try to bring crazy, we try to bring uh, the icebergs from Antarctica close. We tried everything to solve our drought problem, but we recognize that unless God opens up the heavens and rain, we're in control. So the nation turned to God, and people turned to God, many people turned to God, recognizing. God, you are God, sovereign of all things. And, and that drought was a gift of God and its impact on our nation. But he brought people to realize that God is in control. Shortly after, we had a crisis in our government, uh, where we, where the, where it's just a, our, government, our political and our judicial crisis, the waves was too big for that. And God intervened and we had a change in government. We prayed and we had a change in government by God's grace. In our judicial system, there's a sense of reform in our judicial system, in our country. Then, but these waves represent that we are not safe because of the corruption, because of the drought. And we, now we say it's an economic and a, and a biological threat. We face threats in this world all over. And, and the answer at the moment that the world gives is let's get the right governance and the right rules. Let's get the army to get people in their homes. And uh, let's get science to solve this problem. And let's get uh, loans, economic. And I'm thinking, what? This is such a big cost, 500 billion rand in a nation that's already suffering economically. God, how can we solve this one? How will we solve this one? It's really, really big. It's really, really big. And we trust in God to solve it. And the answer that this one says is God is mightier. God is mightier. So what is the invitation? What is the invitation to us and to me and you? Let's just go back and I want to show you. Verse 1 and 2 is what the Bible referred to here as a window to show what God is like and what his kingdom is like. Verse 3 shows us the mirror. This is what we are like. God, we, we need you. God, we're in control. We, we don't have the answers. We are insufficient to govern ourselves, to protect ourselves, to, to create peace on earth. That's the issue. We can't create peace on earth. Not inside my heart, not inside this world. I don't have the capacity to do that. Not lasting, not eternally. For a moment, but not lasting. And then verse 4 and verse 5 brings us the, the door. So let's stand still in the door. And this is the invitation to me and you. An invitation to me and you to respond. And I want to encourage you. How did the psalmist end in peace? Because it's great to know that God is in control and God is mighty. But how do I appropriate this? What, what do I take? What do I, what do I ask? What do I grab hold on to? How do I step into this? And he says here, yeah, it's beautiful. He says, your decrees are trustworthy, God. Some translation, your testimonies, refers to the word, Old Testament scriptures. It's the scriptures of God. Saying, God, I find peace and security in the storm in your word. And it helps me to look back and to say, God, but this is not my first rodeo. This is not your first rodeo. This is not the first time that we as a world were in trouble, God, because we can see this in your text. The Bible is a compilation of 
of accounts, historic accounts of every single time that the world was in crisis or someone's life was a danger. And God, you came and you saved God. You preserved life. And in all these things, you are bringing your, your redemptive reign, your, your good reign. You're saving the world of sin and of Satan. And this is amazing. So I think I just want to show you this text. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we may have hope. Written in former days. The Old Testament accounts was written for our instruction and our endurance, that through the encouragement of scripture, we may have hope. And this is what Paul writes about the Old Testament. Same that this guy writes, the psalmist, saying that your decrees are trustworthy, God. I find peace. And I want to encourage you, friends, that this is an invitation. This is just not a knowledge. It's an invitation for you and me to take our fears and to take our uncertainty, to take our questions about God and His purposes, to take it into the Scripture and to find, to see the crisis in every single one of the accounts in the Bible, every one of the Psalms in the Bible, and to see God's redemption in it, to make, to remind ourselves on a daily basis that God truly saves, that our God reigns, that truly our God reigns through this, not over this, but through this. His redemptive reign is coming. And there's a second thing that says that holiness adorns your house forever. Amen. Holiness adorns your house. Beautiful text. Just says that God, I don't just rest in your text, but I rest in your presence among the people. I find peace in a reminder that I'm not alone. Elijah's great temptation was to think, God, I alone am saved. I'm the only one who still serves you. No, you're not alone. No, you're not alone, Elijah. I'm going to say to you at home that you are not alone. Yes, we are disconnected at this moment. We, 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 we are social distancing. But do not, do not fall into the temptation that says that it's me alone. and You alone need to act. I want to encourage you to... To connect with your people. I want to encourage you to connect meaningfully and not just to have a quick chat in your small group time, but to have a heart to heart connection with what do you hear the Lord say? Because the encouragement that you find in the Lord in encouragement is necessary for someone else to, to bring your life and your relationship with God as a gift to your friends. That whenever we come together, like Hebrews says, we come together with the sole purpose to stir one another to love and to good works. To help one another to, to, to love better, love God better, love people better, and to also love their neighbors better, and to, to overflow in goodness. Holiness adorns your house. Your decrees are trustworthy. I can find comfort and peace and understanding the context. I can understand my context because I can see that what God has done in the past, He's doing again now. And I'm privileged to be part of it. And this world is passing away, but it's fine. God is, I'm here. Secondly, you find time in God's presence among God's people. Both those two things. Find God's presence among God's people. The floods are roaring, my friends. The waves are roaring outside, but the Lord reigns in sovereign might. Find peace in his word, comfort among his people, and peace in his presence. I hope this is meaningful to you. We don't have much time. We promise to have a shorter message today. It's folly for the world. Let me give you the gospel right here. It's folly for the world to think that the governments and government rules will save us. It's folly for the world to think that, that science and technology will save us. It's folly for the world to think that 
economic power and a loan of 500 billion rand will save us. God saves. The Lord saves. And it's amazing, I think, New Year as well, in the evenings to year at 8 o'clock, I don't know who does it, but it's amazing all around our community that the trumpets are blowing, shofars are blowing at 8 o'clock. Shofars are a reminder that a call to God to save, a call to wake up God's people, to say that the Lord is moving, inviting us to move with Him. I want to encourage you to take this message of God's reign to your inner room. To say, God, will you reign in my heart in peace? To take your fears to God on a daily basis. Don't let it, don't let it roll up. Some of our friends in church have already lost their jobs. It's going to have an economic impact on many people. Don't speak in doom. I can see that God is repositioning his people to be his salvation. Not just to our church people economically with work stuff, but also to the community around us. God is moving people to show the goodness and his kindness. God is preserving us in this time in the wilderness. We encourage you to take your peace to God. Take your prayers to God. Cry to God about the floods that you yourself are facing facing and find your peace in the word i hope this is not just an empty message to you but that it really directs you to find god in his word and with his people i want to encourage and ask the small group leaders and leaders in church please reach out to people that are quiet just have a phone call just have a whatsapp phone call with them talk to them find out how people are may the lord bless you father god the world is at flood god it's a flood that we are aware of that is all over the world. But thank you, God, that many, many years ago, God, you spoke to your people, God, to build an ark, to save your people, God, from the flood on the outside. And you promised that you will never, ever completely destroy the world again. So thank you, God, for the promise, Lord, even as we can see, as we can see in the blowing of the trumpets, that only a, world, a third of the world is touched at the moment, God, only a third of the world, not everyone, are touched at the moment by this. So, God, we ask in Jesus' name that you will grant us to know you in this moment. And we will not look to the waves, God, but we'll look to him. And then like Peter, God, you can invite us, Lord, to, to walk over these waves with you, God, to walk over these waves as we keep our eyes fixed on you, God. That the waves, the waves don't touch our spirits, God. It doesn't touch our souls, God. It doesn't bring us into panic. Yes, the world is reeling. God, I thank you, Lord, for the promise that you are at work in this and I pray in Jesus' name that you will do that work in our hearts, but also in our community. In Jesus' name, help us to witness your peace. Help us to witness your provision. Help us to be benevolently share from what we receive from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.